Cause yo, we like to make that money, money. Yeah, yeah. Of 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 that money, come on, money. Yeah, yeah. Come on, money. You money. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to another edition of the Wrestling Connection Podcast. We are here for another exciting edition, another exciting episode. So we want to thank each and every single one of you for downloading, for streaming, for listening, for watching, whatever you're doing to consume this week's Wrestling Connection. We we just we just love you so much. We can't really explain to you how much we love you. And who are we? My name is Chris. This is Glenn. Glenn, it's been another another long week in the lockdown. What have you been up to this week? Work, 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 work. Yeah, oh, um, really? it's, it's been full on working from home. Uh, so it's been work, 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 watch a bit of wrestling, work, 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 having a sandwich, work, 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 uh, gaming. I like a lot of gaming. Um, oh, and do you know but, what? That's um, good for this theme of today's episode. It really is. Um, just seeing having a sandwich there just reminded me that, um, you, you know, the Spanish announce team, of course. Of course. Um, Hugo Sabinovich like and Carlos Cabrera. Yeah, the classic one. So Carlos Cabrera, yeah. I think, is still part of the company. But yeah. for years, uh, my pals and I used to think that his name was Hugo having a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> Why would that be his me. name? I know. It just sounded like, hey, Carlos Cabrera and Hugo having a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> he was always good, though. He was always he would always like get really into it and stuff. And like, if someone was to go through the table, he would like take this big tumble off his seat. <laughs> Oh, I know those guys. Like, there should just be like a compilation of them being overexcited. People, people, quite rightly, you know, make a song and dance about Maro and Ronaldo going mental. Yeah. Like, but like, you know, the, the Spanish announce guys historically have been fantastic for that, and I don't really enjoy when they run through the announce tables anymore, with the exception yeah. of when you get to see a wee bit of Funaki. But apart from that, you know. Oh yeah. That's always good, and it's like uh, I, th- I can't even pronounce any of the names, but I like how they just they go through every single one as if like every one is really necessary. Like they just they can even just do like a pan and shot. Look at all mm-hmm. the international announcers we have. Now, they go through each every single one of them, so it takes up a good five minutes of the pay per view, which is always a delight. Um, yep, absolutely. I always anyway, thought it must be weird to be the guys having their entrance during that. You just have to yeah. circle the ring whilst your music plays on a loop. I always found it weird in terms of like the commercial breaks and that sort of thing. Like, you know, they, they, I guess I'm sure they will tell the performers that they're going through a break, but I don't know if they always do. They'll just like have the song play the whole time and then they'll just come back and the camera will be on them. I don't know. This is another exciting edition. Uh, we're going to be talking about video games today in the wrestling world. We uh, came to this decision last week. 
on episode number five. So thank you to anybody who checked that one out. And uh, please continue to support us and uh, tell us what you like about the show, what you dislike about the show. Tell us that you're listening. We'd love to hear from all of you. Uh, you can reach us on Twitter at WrestleConnect1 and Instagram at WrestleConnection. Those are our two main social media outlets. You'll always get us on there. So if you want to get in contact with the show, you can do so through those outlets. But um, in terms of this week, I want you to ask me what I've been watching this week. Say, Chris, I have a question for you. Go on then. What have you been watching this week? This week, my friend and all the listeners, I have been watching WWE, The Great American Bash from 2007. Ooh. Or, as it should have been called, WWE, Nobody Wins That We Want To Win 2007. Because... (laughs) Uh, this is this is an abs- I don't know if you remember this pay-per-view at all. What, what comes oh, to mind okay. when you think of this pay-per-view? The first thing I started thinking about was actually the year before when everyone had elevated enzymes. So uh, 2007, <laughs> God, I don't know. I can imagine, when you see everyone who he wants to win doesn't win. I can imagine CM Punk probably suffers a loss because this was when he was chasing the ECW title, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. To uh, John Morrison, John Morrison beats him. That's right. Okay, let me have another guess. Uh, uh, what was Lashley doing? No, Lashley was on Raw at this point, mm-hmm. was he? Yep. So did, did Lashley face Cena this time around? This was the 2007 dream matchup. Ah. Cena versus Lashley. That's right. Um, God. Now, you talk about elevated enzymes. Look at this made of it. Yeah. So, uh, in terms of WWE, everyone we don't want to win wins 2007. Uh, I'm talking John Morrison beats CM Punk. The Great Khali as World Heavyweight Champion oh, defeats, God. defeats Batista and Kane. You can imagine how that match went. Oh, God. I just we think had... of him holding the belt upside down when he yeah, won it. Do you he, remember? He never, held it, he never held it the right way up. <laughs> oh, Worst champion ever. Um, which is ironic because earlier on in the year, he was fusing with Cena for the WWE title. And mm-hmm. uh, people wanted them to win because they all hated Cena. And now he got drafted to SmackDown and Edge had to drop the title because of an injury. And Kali uh, wins the Battle Royal and now he feuds with Batista all summer. Those matches are oh, interesting. Grim. Um, other matches that are other results that we didn't want. MVP defeats Matt Hardy. Umaga defeats Jeff Hardy. And uh, the three the three biggest ones on this show that I really just, I can't believe I'd forgotten about and I can't believe that I hadn't really seen in greater detail is we had the Cruiserweight Open for the WWE okay. Cruiserweight Championship. And that's always a lot of fun. You know, you've always got, you know, Chavo in there, Funaki, Shannon Moore, um, Jimmy mm-hmm. Wang Yang, some really good in-ring wrestlers. Do you remember who wins this match? I want to say Jimmy Wang Yang, but it's probably not. Hornswoggle. Oh, yeah, of course it bloody was. Hornswoggle <laughs> wins the Cruiserweight title. And thank God for NXT and the network and Triple H because, you know, for a long time, he was the last ever Cruiserweight champion. Yep. I mean, listen, I remember like laughing a lot at the time, but thinking back to this, these poor guys absolutely busting their, uh, what's, the, what's the term, busting their ass? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> putting their lives in danger in these matches and then Cornswoggle wins. We also had Randy Orton versus Dusty Rhodes in a Texas bull rope match. No, he didn't, did he? I what don't on this. earth was this? <clears throat> so it's a, it only goes on for five minutes because uh, this is where Randy Orton is transforming from the legend killer to the viper. 
And right. uh, on the start of the day, he punted Shawn Michaels. Yeah, I think Shawn Michaels was going off to have a baby. Not himself personally, but his wife was. <laughs> and uh, he had to go and take some time off. So they did that angle where Orton really gave him a serious concussion. And then he comes mm-hmm. back later in the year and they have that match as a Survivor Series. Um, and he also, Orton also took out RVD, which would evidently write him off WWE TV. And uh, those matches, I remember being really disturbing at the time. Like he would punt them and DDT them on the floor. And RVD and Michaels, I mean, you want to talk about two of the best ever. Just yeah. in terms of uh, like selling and making it so believable and that sort of thing. They've got like that sort of st- like distant stare in their eyes and they just look t- completely out of it. It really helped Orton become that kind of main killer heel, you know? So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he wrestles Dusty Rhodes <laughs> because this is the Great American Bash. And of course, the, the you know, the American Dream was legendary with the Great American Bash. And they have a Texas Bull Rope match where the finish is Randy Orton hitting Dusty Rhodes over the head one time with the Bull Rope. And that's the that's the finish. But um wow. the main the main one of this pay-per-view, the main thing that I couldn't believe and can't believe I, I forgot about. Is this at the time where in 2007 when they did the draft, everybody just decided to go to different brands. And the Sandman was drafted to Raw. Oh, God, that's right. And he got in a feud with Carlito because Carlito, of course, spat some water in his face. Uh, spat some water. <laughs> spat an apple in his face. Well, don't, that's your own fault for going near Carlito. I mean, it's what the man's known for. It's the Sandman's fault for not being <clears throat> cool. Uh, yeah. But so this is the Sandman versus Carlito in a Singapore cane on a pole match. <laughs> and I'm just sitting thinking, first of all, why have we never seen this before? Why has this not been talked yeah. about? Why has there not been a rematch? You know? <laughs> like on the so, Indies. <laughs> <laughs> the, the objective of the match is you have to go up to the top of the pole. Once you retrieve the kendo stick, you can use it legally, but you still have to pin or submit your opponent, right? Right, okay. So the Sandman takes about eight years to climb this pole. He gets to the top. He gets the, the Stinger 4 cane, comes down, and everyone's like, oh my god, it's, it's going to get extreme. Carlito moves out the way, backstabber, one, two, three. What an Brilliant. absolute disaster. So that was my view. And to be fair, the main event, Cena and Lashley, it felt like a big fight feel. They really built up Lashley. Cena wins with an FU at the time, an attitude adjustment from the top mm-hmm. rope. And in my head, I had this, like, in my head, I had it, the memory of him, like, having Lashley up for ages and then, like, really jumping off the top rope and, like, nailing him into the mat, you know? But it's not yeah. that at all. It's just He's got him in the second rope. He just kind of drops him, and then he kind of pins him in this weird way. But I still really enjoyed the match. So that was that was my viewing this week. A very interesting and weird pay-per-view. And the whole audience, I'm surprised none of them went and asked for refunds because none of the fan favourites won other than John Cena. And in, to describe him as a fan favourite at that yeah. time, it was quite a controversial claim to make as well. There we go. Yeah. The Heel American Bash 2007. There you go. What about you? What have you been watching? Well, I'll, I'll get into that, but just you mentioned Carlito. At some point in the future, when we do another Meet a Wrestler segment, I'll maybe talk about the time I met Carlito. Okay. And, uh, but one thing I can reveal now, uh, before you know that, because this 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 happened like when I was waiting to meet him and I was in the queue, the guy in front of me got a real apple signed. Oh wow! Okay, like a real apple, which is probably. <laughs> this most stupid thing to get a Carlito to sign. Now, I get it makes sense, but get a plastic one. Yeah. It was a real apple. He showed me it. Um, I got a DVD signed. <laughs> you know, what, what DVD? Uh, Royal Rumble 2009, which he isn't even on the cover for. It was him and Primo. <laughs> 
and yeah. you had to buy the DVD to get to the signing, and, uh, and that's all I had because I didn't know it was happening until I happened to walk past HMV. So um, uh, that's that's a the full version of that story is quite funny. But yeah, he got an Apple signed, and I just like to think he maybe got home and about a week later he saw it was going rotten and decided to take a few pictures of it and then go, do you know what? To hell with it. Take a bite of it, chew it up, and then spit it out. And then bend the apple because it'd be rank. If he still has that apple now, I oh my god, should call someone. <laughs> He's got to have it in like a box or something, or some some form of basket. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Jesus. But yes, uh, what have I been watching this week? Uh, I'm still on my 2002 run, and uh, I'm we're now building up to Vengeance 2002. Uh, and I recently watched the Fourth of July SmackDown, which is known for a couple of reasons, one of which was Edge and Hulk Hogan mm-hmm. winning the tag team titles from uh, Billy and Chuck, uh, ending right. what was a very long reign for them, not including a slight blip when they lost it briefly at Judgment Day. And uh, th- this is that's memorable for so many reasons because it's, it's a big deal for Edge. He's getting this rub off Hogan and he's still on the upward trajectory. Um, Hogan is still at a stage where he's in his late 40s and he can still do all the kind of classic Hogan stuff. So he's not embarrassing by any stretch in the ring. He comes out to Real American for the first time ah. in, you know, since since he was last in WWF in the, in the early mid 90s. Um, and it's refreshing to have that on the network because every subsequent, every other entrance that he has from that year on the network, the Jimi Hendrix Voodoo Child has been overdubbed. Drives terrible nuts. Oh, it's awful. Um, although sometimes when they do that in the network, you occasionally come across one where they've forgotten to do it or they've missed it. And so yeah. then you hear it and you, you the, there was one with Hogan where I had that. And, oh my God, it's Voodoo Child. So um, Billy and Chuck lose um, to Hogan and Edge in a feel-good moment for uh, for those guys. But uh, it's from this episode that I'd like to move on with my recommendation of the week, Chris. So if that suits you, shall we cue Jingle? Let's cue Jingle right now. Wrestling, recommendations, wrestling, recommendations, wrestling, recommendations. Match of the week. Oh, yeah. So, um... Thank you. Thank you, Kate, for that. And uh, my recommendation comes from that episode of SmackDown, Chris, from the 4th of July, 2002, for any of you who want to look up on the network. And I picked it for a few reasons. Um, It is a good match. It is by no means the best match that these two would have. But I've decided, after giving it some thought, that it's a really, really important match, historically. And that match is Kurt Angle versus The Undertaker in the main event of that SmackDown, Mm. 4th of July, 2002. Do you remember the match? Not off the top of my head, but I know, like, I know they had a couple of matches around that time from that, like, sort of Paul Heyman era SmackDown. Yeah, so I would go. Now I'm going to make the statement in full knowledge of the fact that about two Raws before this was when Vince McMahon brought the roster out and said everyone needs to have ruthless aggression, and yeah. then it's the following SmackDown where Cena shows up and he does the ruthless aggression thing. So, yeah, fine. The ruthless aggression era had started. A couple of weeks before. But this is where you first got to see what Ruthless Aggression looked like in the ring. Because when you think SmackDown 2002, you think of the SmackDown 6, you think of classic matches, longer wrestling matches, more wrestling than what you got in Raw when Heyman was at the helm of things. Yeah. Now, he wasn't quite at the helm of SmackDown yet at this point. But it's important to note that at this point, Kurt Angle and Taker were both bona fide heels. Taker had right. just beat Jeff Hardy on Raw the night before, or a few days before in terms of broadcasting. Uh, in that ladder match that you love so much 
Yeah, yeah. And uh, Kurt Angle had just come off his feud with Edge and Hogan, where he'd been shaved bald and then made Hogan the biggest baby face in the company submit, uh, at, you know, at King of the Ring. So they're both bad guys going into this. So how do two ba- bad guys get around that with an audience? You have a great effing match. And yeah. that's what they did. It was a longer for TV. It's not their longest and most classic match, um, but it's a very good sound match. It's technically sound, it's aggressive, and it just shows how good their chemistry was. And of course, a lot of people would instantly think of their, uh, I think it's No Way Out 2006, where they main evented that show and they have an absolute humdinger. Um, But this match is uh, really good because you can see the crowd getting more and more into it. Because at first they're a wee bit like, yeah, these are great big stars to see, but I don't really know who I'm behind. But then you can tell the crowd's getting more behind Angle because he feels like more of the underdog and he can, he kind of channels back into the, um, uh, he channels back into the, what do you call it? The, um, uh, what am I trying to say? His baby face run. The American yeah. Hero baby face run from the year before with Austin. Yeah. And he, um, he, is showing early signs of the wrestling machine, a mm. uh, angle that we would come familiar with in the later in that decade. It's also known for a slightly embarrassing reason. Do you know this, Chris? Uh, not that I can think of right now. Well, this is another reason why I need you and everyone else to go and watch this. And this is a shame, okay. this one, because uh, this uh, this match doesn't deserve to be remembered for this. Um. The finish of the match is where Undertaker is being put into a submission hold by Angle. So uh, I, it's like, I can't remember the name of it, but basically Angle's limbs are wrapped around Taker's chest and he's got a big, he's got a grip of Taker's neck. So it's like a sleeper hold, but Undertaker's standing up. Yeah, so he's yeah, almost yeah. got like Angle and like a lover's embrace almost. And yeah. Angle's squeezing him. Um, and then, so the Undertaker starts to get woozy and he falls and uh, then he taps but at the same time as he taps angle is pinned and you'll maybe remember that brian and punk did a very similar finish to this about 10 years later i think over the limit or one of those pay-per-views when they were feuding right yeah 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 that's right yeah so uh it's this controversial double finish and then the referee a group of referees do the whole cena batista royal rumble 2005 routine of raising each other's hand and then it's it then turns out that it's a draw and taker retains the title Mm-hmm. However, watch that finish and look closely because when they first recorded it, they botched the finish and it was not an, a, it was not the ambiguous result that they wanted. So, and they only realized this afterwards and the fans were chanting BS at this really loudly at the time. So when the, em- the arena had emptied, Taker and Angle both got back in the ring with their gear on and they put a bunch of like crew around the front couple of rows and made them all wave their hands and stuff so that they could really? do a zoomed in shot yeah of redoing that finish so what you watch when you see on the network is this great match and then this very sudden finish but the angling and the editing does look a bit weird and when you know that that's happened it's hard to unsee it the fans in the front row change completely um oh my so- goodness this is my match of the week because it's intriguing for that reason it's a good good match between two big stars who have great chemistry it really is the first showcase of ruthless aggression and it's i think early wrestling machinera kurt angle so that is my recommendation give us the date again july 4th 2002 independence day or capital's birthday there you go 
There you go. So everybody has to go check out that match this week on the network. I'll certainly do that. I didn't, I didn't know that. And obviously, I kind of remember the finish. I remember like Taker tapping, which always was kind of weird because Taker never tapped. Um, mm. So I remember that being, you know, stuck in my head a little bit. I think it was actually on the Tombstone DVD that came out was of it? Taker. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. That may have been like the most that, up-to-date DVD. That DVD was a big deal at the time because I was. think it was one of the first free disc sets they ever put out. It may have been the um, first. Yeah, because WrestleMania 20 was the other early one. Yeah. Um, I think that was maybe around the same time. But yeah, it's, uh, I remember really wanting it because at that point, you know, you didn't have the network. You didn't have easy access to a lot of those historic matches. So the the, yeah. the prospect of an anthology was much more attractive than it was now, or than it is now, rather. I got that DVD in Florida in 2006. Um, we were at like a like a mall or whatever in America, and uh, I just found a DVD shop, and I guess we were just going to look into it, and I was like, oh, there might be wrestling DVDs here. And I was obviously still very young, um, but yeah. it was around that time where wrestling was just everything now. It's all I thought about, so I went and had a look, and there was so many wrestling DVDs, I couldn't believe it. Like, there was lots yeah. in HMV here, but when you go over there, it's just crazy, you know? Um, so and, and it came in like a slimline case for a three-disc set, which was weird, so like... Usually you'd get like this big kind of set and it would be like beautiful artwork and that sort of thing, which you'd end up getting for that DVD over here. But in America, yeah. it was a slim line case, but it wasn't like, you know, when you open like a two disc set, there's like one disc there, then you flip it over and the other disc, the other disc is yeah, still yeah. in there. Well, for that one, it was just this, the one sort of indent and the three discs piled on top of each other. Oh, like I've so irresponsible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so many scratches. It's no, it's no real. It's no real. Um, but I remember getting that in. In Florida and really enjoying that one. Yeah, that was a great DVD. One of my favourites in terms of match compilations. And I believe Chris, that angle match is on there. Would you say that you were grateful for that DVD or even thankful? You know what? I think I was. I think that those are two absolute perfect words for that DVD, which is why <laughs> we are going... This, is, this, is gonna, this isn't going to work because my thankful suggestion isn't that DVD. <laughs> <laughs> on the subject what? of feeling thankful... Yeah, uh, you mentioned being thankful for something. Let's go into what I'm thankful for this week in pro wrestling. What I'm thankful for in wrestling this week. Oh, yeah. Okay, so this week is my turn to be grateful slash thankful. And um, I have, over the past couple of weeks, I have been thankful in episode two, where I talked about wrestling music videos. I was thankful in episode four when I talked about wrestling theme songs. So for my third instalment here in episode six, I wanted to keep the theme the same. I wanted to stick to music. And uh, my thankful for suggestion this week are live music performances on wrestling shows. Oh, what a great choice. I was, I was hoping you were going to agree with that because sometimes that can be quite controversial, you know? Not a well, lot no, of people I'm always them. a fan. And I'm a fan because it's not something you see every day, so it's always yeah. special when it happens. It makes it feel really special when it was, you know, was at a point where it was always just WrestleMania, but now mm -hmm. they'll do it, you know, whenever. But I guess it's, it's mostly still just WrestleMania, um, yeah. and I guess it kind of started with America the Beautiful, you know, um, being performed at the start of WrestleMania One by Mean Gene Oakland. <laughs> yeah, I keep and forgetting then, that he did that. That's incredible. Beautiful rendition, not quite as good as Lillian, but beautiful, yeah, no. you know, rendition. The great, by the way, the greatest version of America the Beautiful. It was on that nine eleven show. With Lillian oh. on SmackDown, remember? Uh, she, first of all, she's just an excellent singer. And, you know, as somebody who remembers 9-11 when it happened, watching yeah. that episode back, which I did a few months ago uh, as part of my run, it's really, it's really quite something. 
And what I've always loved about Lillian's rendition is she takes that line, but the flag was still there. But she goes up instead of down. She goes, the flag yeah. was still there. Okay, I, believe it or not, Chris, I can't sing. But she, <laughs> so I'm butchering it. But you go and watch it. She goes up the way up the scale instead of down the scale on that line. Absolutely. And it, it makes it more rowdy and it makes the, the more, more patriotic. It makes me want to pledge allegiance to the American flag listening to that. Yeah. That is something that I love about Americans, like how patriotic they are. Like we, we have that like, we love our country and stuff over here, but it's not the same, man. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they, they, it, they sing this song and it's so powerful and so passionate, you know? It is distinctively American. Uh, a couple of weeks yeah. ago in the pod, I spoke about meeting Rikishi. It was on that same trip in the city of Oakland, actually, at a baseball game where they started playing the national anthem. And uh, my brother, we all had to stand up, and my brother and I stood up. And uh, my brother, who must have been about 14 at the time, uh, was wearing his baseball cap. And this mm. guy turned around, this big guy, he was like the spit of Devon Dudley, okay? Oh, uh, and he turned around and he, I'm going to have to censor this, so use your imagination. But he looked at my brother and we went, get your head off, mm-hmm. MFR. <laughs> my, my attitude follow? He went ash and white. Yeah, my attitude follow. <laughs> <laughs> well, Matt's guys were my followers and Shannon Moore's were Moorons and his That's little right. crash volley. <laughs> Oh, that went in all sorts of directions. So, yeah, you're grateful for live performances, Chris. <laughs> oh, I love Mattitude. Um, yeah, n- nothing really much to say about these other than the fact that I just love them. You know, it kind of started with America the Beautiful, and then in terms of theme songs, the one I could, the only one I could think of was the DX band, you know, mm-hmm. starting it, singing, you know, Are You Ready or whatever it's called. Um, yeah. uh, you know, some of the WrestleMania, especially WrestleMania 14 sticks in my head when Sean yeah. comes out in the main event of WrestleMania 14. And um, it's just like, you can just feel the buzz. Austin's just came out with this massive reaction. Mike Tyson's there. And mm-hmm. then Michaels comes out and he knows he's going out. You know, he knows it's his last one for a while. He's probably out his face. Um, he's in so much pain and he's just getting so into it. And I just, I love that entrance so much. That's a good yeah. one. But I, there may have been other ones before then in terms of theme songs, but that's the first one I could think of, the earliest one anyway. And then, of course, the one that would completely change the game would be Motorhead. Singing oh, Triple yeah, H uh, at WrestleMania 17 and WrestleMania 21. A lot of people prefer the 21 rendition. No way. The WrestleMania 17 performance is what is probably my favorite entrance of all time. Um, just having it's Triple just H got, come out in that massive stadium. It's got a bit of oomph to it. It's, they they play it a little bit faster. Yeah, um, <clears throat> a faster tempo than the original recording. Um, and Morehead were were known like that that band was all about lemmy and the lineup that you saw at 2001's wrestlemania was not like the original motorhead lineup but it was the last motorhead lineup that would tour for the next 15 years or so um weirdly enough the drummer from the motorhead mickey d my brother met him in a bar in tenerife a couple years ago and got me an autograph another weird story and the reason i wanted the autograph is because of the game and evolution and king of kings yeah um and uh so the the, uh, the Moorhead performances were excellent, and there, there's been other great ones. What what for you, Moorhead aside, are the kind of ones that stick out in your mind the most for live performances in wrestling? I've got a couple I've noted down that I think you know when when I when I think of that WrestleMania, I immediately go to that performance, and uh, of course Limp Biscuit at WrestleMania 19. Yeah, um, because at that at that point he'd moved on to You're Gonna Pay, but you know for whatever reason I guess because they did the theme song for that WrestleMania. They wanted to have him, you know, perform that song as well. And he comes out in the bike to Roland. It's just, it's so cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love the Rey Mysterio entrance at WrestleMania 22 with P.O.D. 
Oh god, I think that's yeah, a good one. With that, yeah. that you like they're on the roof of the buildings, you know, the Chicago yeah. Towers, really cool. Of course, WrestleMania twenty nine, Living Color, performing cult oh. of personality. Um, not to mention how Punk was just the man at the time, but like it's just such a good song and such a good performance and such a cool entrance. He could do no wrong at that time, Punk, and the fact that he was, was literally like old guys wearing jackets and hats, you know, it still made it cool, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in terms of most recently, I can think of Rev Theory at WrestleMania 30 was really cool, and even Snoop Dogg at WrestleMania 32 singing Sasha Banks' theme song. So yeah, that was brilliant. That was really, really well done. Yeah, um, and, and most, that, and most that recently, was... sorry, gone. No, I was just going to say with the Snoop Dogg, that was just at a moment where the, the the women's evolution, revolution, whatever you call it, was really taking it off. So it was really, it felt important to give that extra bit of uh, pomp and circumstance, that yeah. extra bit of spectacle to the entrances. Because at WrestleMania, the entrances are just as big a deal as the matches, in my Absolutely. opinion. It's part of the spectacle. Uh, and so it was deserving that not only did that happen but it was given to a women's match and and in such a logical pairing of course because the two of them are related and yeah. it was awesome um most recently i can think of joan jett singing ronda rousey to the ring at wrestlemania 35 yeah. um, which was really cool but my favorite one from like modern times has got to be nakamura um when they when they played the song with the violin and the drums and nina strauss with the guitar at wrestlemania 34 and not even just the WrestleMania one, but just the violin version from the, the takeover the year prior. Just absolutely spine-chilling? Is that the word? Spine-chilling? Spine-chilling, spine yeah, absolutely. Oh, well, unbelievable. I have, a, I have a question for you then. Um, Go on then. And I know exactly what your answer is. So I'm going to ask you the question, give you my answer, which I'm going to make sure is not the same as yours because I know what yours is going to be. So yeah. my question is, what for you is the dream live performance at a show yet to come now i'm not going to go with what you're going to say but that would be on my list but one that i think was a a missed opportunity was at wrestlemania 17 it would have been cool to have a drowning pool or was it disturbed i can't remember do austin's theme oh mate, that would have been, been awesome and that would have made sense you know because he was still a baby face going into that match he was probably still a baby face coming out of it to be honest yeah. um but you know not that it'll be any shock to me but what for you is the dream example of this that could still theoretically happen i mean it's got to be everybody's got to be in agree agree agreement agreements but first of all everybody must be in i'm going to let you figure this one me. out yep <laughs> <laughs> everyone must be in agreement with me it's got to be edge Alter Bridge, Metalingus, in the same fucking building, playing the song. It has to happen. And the, the the fact that it was so close to happening this year just makes me yeah. so sad, you know. <laughs> but hopefully next year. <laughs> hopefully next year. Hopefully everyone will stay healthy and the world will be normal enough by then for them to happen. And um, when, when Chris was saying everyone must be in agreement, that wasn't a plea for clarification. That was a threat. You must be in agreement or Chris will come to your house and blare <laughs> Alter Bridge until you have decided, either through consent or through brainwashing, that they are the greatest band of all time. Well, what I will say about that is at WrestleMania 24, when he comes out and uh, wrestles Taker on the main event, and he gets the last entrance of the night, which is a big deal. Um, yeah. Taker's in the ring and Edge walks towards Taker. That entrance with, with Metalingus playing is, is ridiculous. And they did talk about getting Alter Bridge to play it, but Edge shot it down because he was the heel and he didn't want to look too cool. When I think, I don't care. You know what I mean? Like, I think it would add to it, you know? But I guess I love that entrance anyway. Just like you said about the Austin one at 17, I love that entrance almost more than anything, you know, yeah. you know, all things considered. But if they if they played that live this year with Alton and it was in the stadium, 
it would have just added to that whole show. But um, WrestleMania would have looked, not, obviously, you know, literally looked um, very different. But in terms of the show itself, in terms of the matches, it would have just looked and felt so different if it was in a stadium. I think that would yep. have added to it. Speaking of wrestling music, and I know we need to move on here, but this is what happens in this podcast. Deal yeah. with it, as Batista said in 2014. Um, <laughs> this blew my mind. I did not know this, Chris, and I, obviously you'll know this because it's, it's two of your favorite acts, but I had no idea that Alterbridge and Creed had two members in common. More than two, three. Three. That blew my mind. I had no idea until like a yeah. couple months ago that they were almost the same band. They're the exact same band, other than the main singer. It's um, other than Miles. Okay. Yeah, Creed. Creed were the, oh, the biggest band in the world. They sold forty million records. Um, in terms of that early two thousands, where that sound was everything. You know, uh-huh. every every advert, every film, every show had that sound. And whether it was in early two thousand and two or whatever, you know. And yeah, yeah. Uh, Scott Stapp, who was the lead singer of Creed, who, in my opinion, um, was a was a great front man, and I love his voice, and I love all of his music in Creed just had so many drug problems and just was so off the rails that they couldn't rely on him. And they were trying to tour and book UK tours and book signings and that sort of thing. And they just couldn't um, rely on it and he kept, he kept dropping the ball. So they, they made the decision as a group to um, move on. And uh, Miles Kennedy, who is the, the lead singer of Alter Bridge, was in a band called the Mayfair Four or something like that. And they just uh, they loved his voice and they brought him on board and they created Alter Bridge in 2004. So... Excellent. Well, there we go. You've had a musical lesson as well, all because Chris is thankful. So I'm, and I'm thankful for that, Chris. There you go. Yeah. Um. You're welcome. Uh. In terms of moving on, I mean, I was going to do meet a wrestler, but we're quite far in. What do you think? Dude, I always loved your meet a wrestler stories. It's your judgment on this. We haven't done it in a few weeks, but it's totally up to you. Up let's. To you. I mean, let's do it. Why not? Let's do it. Who? What we do? You know, what we in the rush for? We'll just do it. Meet a wrestler. We met. Oh yeah! I was trying to. I was trying to be quick. I, I was trying to think of like what to tell this week because you know Glenn and I have both met so many d- different wrestlers at different times. It could have been at signings. It could have been in just life and passing that sort of thing. Um, and there is one clear answer in my head that's like the biggest one I've ever been to. And I thought, right, okay, well, if, it, if this is like my first story, my first time doing meet a wrestler, I guess I'll just tell this one first. And it's not the first time I ever met a wrestler like Glenn said before, because Glenn told the story of meeting Rikishi two weeks ago, and um, it was an amazing story. And I, I believe that was the first time you met a wrestler? Absolutely, yeah. So my first one was in 2010, but I'll tell that one another another day down the line. But this one was the year after, in 2011. By this point, I was like a master of meeting wrestlers. I was so happy um, to go and meet whoever it was. And this is in uh, January of 2011, and I believe it must have been the Christmas before, that um, my tickets for the TNA show were upgraded, right? So I had bought okay. tickets to the TNA show that was going to be in January of 2011, which might go down as one of my favourite shows I've ever seen live. And I guess we'll talk about it somewhere down the line as well. Um, but this is the point where TNA had like all the big stars, all the ex-WWE guys, you know, Samoa Joe and AJ were still really big. Um, TNA had a lot of momentum around this time. Mm-hmm. And uh, that Christmas, I believe, it was like, okay, we're going to upgrade the tickets for Christmas. Santa has brought you the meet and greet package. And I was like, all right, cool. Yeah, I kind of knew what that meant. It was like, you know, you would go and you would meet a couple of the wrestlers. It was nothing, anything special or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, they were, on the, especially the UK signings for TNA, they were notorious for not including any main stars. It was always like JB and maybe Hernandez 
and um, you know Doug Williams and Frankie Kazarian, all really talented wrestlers, apart from GB, a very talented personality, but nothing really to blow away, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it was always just you know we'll just get a couple of autographs, get a program signed or whatever. So yeah. I was like, okay, cool. I'll go meet a couple of wrestlers. A cool story to tell one day, maybe on a podcast a few years later. Um, so we arrive a couple of hours early to the show to go and do the signing because I think the signing started at six and the show started at eight. So we arrived for the signing and I, I really wasn't that bothered and I bought a program for it. I thought I'll just maybe go to the back couple of pages and see who I can get signed. You know, I think um, the Pope, D'Angelo De Niro, who used to be Elijah Burke, he was, he was right. like announced he was going to be on the signing. <laughs> I really okay. thought you were going to say the Pope there. <laughs> I thought, what a the, scoop. The Pope was in town and... Uh, <laughs> So he he was like announced on social media. He came media. to bless he, all six sides of the ring. <laughs> I think it was announced on on no that this was when it was the four sides. It was fine. Hulk Hogan oh, okay. made his effect by then. Um, I think it was announced on Twitter that day. It was like, uh, "Come see Matt Morgan versus Elijah Burke, and they will be signing autographs before the show." And I was all right. Well, Matt Morgan and Elijah Burke, but they were both in WWE before. That's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I got their pages ready on the program, and I kind of had like a bookmark in it ready to open it and to, you know to to see them. And uh, we were quite far back in the queue, and I couldn't really see like the the table at the front. You know, you kind of mentioned this before when you know you're at a sign and, and you first see the people come out. You know, it's that yeah, kind of like giddiness. Yeah. You know, but I couldn't see anybody. I was, I guess, a little bit shorter at the time, and you know, I was I was quite far back in the queue. And yeah. uh, there was like all the sort of cheers. Whoever comes up, it's like, woo, yeah, 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 yeah. And all I hear is RVD, 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 nice. and I was like, hang on a minute. I was like, RVD is like the top star. Who was the champion at the time? I think it was Mr. Anderson was the champion at the time. Yeah. Um, and I was like, RVD? He's like a like a childhood favourite. So I was getting all excited and I, I was getting nervous and I started like kind of shaking a little bit. And I don't know why, don't ask me how I'd done it. At uh, three o'clock in the afternoon before I was leaving, my dad kind of said to me, remember the programme, you know, for or remember to take stuff to get signed by whoever it's going to mm-hmm. be there. And I was like, well, I don't really have anything. I took a couple of, like DVDs from TNA. It was like best matches of two thousand and nine, like really like sort of generic DVDs that anybody yeah. could sign. But I also lifted the RVD one of a kind DVD just in case. No. Wow, just in case. Uh, and then RVD shows up at the signing, and I was like, oh my god, I got the DVD here. So I managed to get the DVD signed by RVD. So that was really cool. Then. We get closer to the to the table, and it was like you know the way at the autograph signings. It's just that your average table. They've maybe got like a banner around it promoting whatever they're promoting, yeah. And the security guards surrounding the table. This was like a long table, like a long kind of like dinner table that you would get in like a mansion somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And RVD was sitting at the front. So he was the first one I saw. Then I looked a bit further on, and there was Angelina Love. She was there. And I thought she's cool. Nice. I like Angelina Love. Next to her. Was uh, I don't know if you've heard of him, just some daft wrestler called Ric Flair. <laughs> no way. Next to Ric Flair was Mickey James. I had next no idea Mi- you'd met Flair. Next to Mickey James was who was next to Mickey James? Next to Mickey James was uh, I don't I don't want to reveal who was the main one. Uh, next to Mickey James was James Storm. Okay. Next to James Storm was Bobby Roode. Uh-huh. Next to Bobby Roode was Jeff Jarrett. Next to Jeff Jarrett, Matt Hardy, <laughs> and next to Matt, <laughs> brother Nero was there. And oh no! Oh, my goodness, my legs just fell away from under me. I couldn't believe it because oh, not if, if, if I'd known I was meeting Jeff, I would have got myself all psyched up. 
But because yeah. I, would, I was expecting the Pope and Matt Morgan and JB and Doug Williams and Rob Terry and Homicide and these people, and then like the top guys apart from the world champion, including Flair, <laughs> just all show up in, in Glasgow and Brayhead. And uh, oh my God, I was so nervous. But, the, but it was like so strict. It was like you only get the program signed. You only mm-hmm. get the program because there's too many of them. So it was you put the program in front of RVD and he would like pass it down, you know. And whoever was yeah. next to them would sign their page of the program. But it would take ages for them to find their page anyway. So I don't know why that was an idea, but they, they were they were signing the program. And like every time I would go up to one, the next one, I was like thinking, should I try and get something else signed? And I just so happened to take my replica world title. Don't know why. It was a TNA show. Yeah. Um, but I didn't really have the, the guts to ask anybody. I was going to ask Flair. And I think I did ask Flair, but he just ignored me. Um, and I had this like sort of WCW uh, TNT Jeff Jarrett figure that I brought just in case that I actually took out my bag to get it signed, but he never signed it. I think he actually looked at it, but he never signed it. And then Matt Hardy was like, let me see that, Jeff. And Jeff Jarrett passed Matt Hardy my figure, and Matt Hardy was like laughing at the figure and stuff, and like he gave me it back. And I was like, thanks, Matt. <laughs> and um, that was cool. I got my RVD DVD signed, and then I got to Jeff, and I was like, I have to, I mean, when am I ever going to see Jeff again? So I just went, can you sign my belt, Jeff? And uh, Jeff is like, sure, sure. So I took the big world title from around my waist, placed it on the table, holding up the whole queue, and Jeff signed all along the strap on the left-hand side. Oh, full brilliant. name With his weird kind of like mad signature, like arrows and that coming out of the Fs. Um, it was really cool. And I met probably like my favourite childhood wrestler other than The Undertaker. And uh, I met Flair, who didn't, who didn't even look up from the table, you know. But that was fine. <laughs> still met Flair. Still got his autograph somewhere. Um, but yeah, that was a really cool. So RVD, Mickey James, Matt, and Jeff—they were the coolest ones there. So that was like, you know, like the, the biggest sign I've ever been to by far. Do you know what blows my mind about that is that you you met Jeff Hardy, one of your heroes, without ever expecting to have met him that day. And yeah. do you know the weirdest coincidence about this is, uh, Chris? Without turning this into my own segment, I'm not going to tell my Jeff Hardy story here. That'll be another day. Yeah. But the day I met Jeff Hardy, I was also going to a signing for someone else, and he showed up by surprise. Isn't that weird? Wow. Who was it supposed to be? It was supposed to be Val Venus, Lance Cade, and Trevor Murdoch. <laughs> oh my God, what a day all that of, was. <laughs> all of whom were on the show that night, but for whatever reason, uh, Cade and Murdoch were pulled, and they replaced them with Jeff, who was the IC champ at the time. Wow. Uh, so and obviously extremely popular, and he was in the main event that night. So you know that was that was bizarre. Um, and I, I kind of think it's a freak of coincidence that a I never knew that story. I knew you had your belt signed by Jeff, but I didn't realize that you hadn't gone in expecting to meet him. I had no yeah. idea about Flair or Jeff Jarrett for that matter. Yeah. Um, I just think it's weird that we both met Jeff in almost the same circumstances. It was just funny that like it was so strict rules, like you weren't allowed to get anything else signed. But I just for some reason I just was like I have to get Jeff to sign my belt, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, that was that was my meet a wrestler story for this week. And again, ne- next time we're kind of looking to chat about it, we'll uh, we'll tell another one. I'd like to hear another one from you, my friend. So you've always yeah, good stories. I've got a few in mind. Maybe I'll tell my Cena story next week or the week after. Okay. But trust me, folks, that you know Chris has a lot of good stories. Without giving too much away, this too much away. This is the guy who once bumped into Cesaro and Martin Spencer's. So um, <laughs> there's a lot of good stories from Chris to come. Trust me. <laughs> wasn't Martin Spencer's? It wasn't. It wasn't Marks and Sparks. It was the the foyer of the Nook Center. Oh, there we go. <laughs> that, yeah, because that makes more sense. Yeah, that's better. 
<laughs> it wasn't a signing. Can I just stress the same thing no. happened to me when I met Cesaro? That's weird. We have a lot of combina- weird combinations, like of meat wrestlers yeah. under the same circumstances. Weird. But uh, and apologies if anyone can hear my dog next door barking. Uh, she's only one, and she's very loud. Shout out to Luna. I can't hear her, so it must be fine. There we go. Cool. Well, let's uh, let's chat about our main topic for this week's episode. A topic that Glenn. Um, has been really, really looking forward to because he is a big WWE or slash wrestling video game fan because he has a lot of fond yeah. memories with them. For me, uh, I've always loved the wrestling games, but the problem with me is I'm not a big gamer like at all. Like I'm just, not, I've never been good at games. I've never been that interested in them. Um, you know, I, I'll play you know certain ones. My favorite game of all time would probably be Simpsons Hit and Run, maybe. But in classic. terms of like an absolute classic, but in terms of like Fortnite and GTA and Call of Duty and things like that, never been my thing. The Last of Us, never, I've never really taken any interest to it. But I know so okay, many people um, so passionate I'd just about like it. To, I'd like to announce that I'm leaving the podcast effective immediately <laughs> because my religion dictates that if anyone says anything disparaging about The Last of Us, that they are dead to me. So um, thanks for listening, folks, and good night. Jeez, thank God he's gone. Anyway, so this this uh, <laughs> no, it's not that I don't like it. I've just never played it. Like I've never, I've never had that opportunity to play it. You know, um, yeah. The only type of games I've ever been good at are the Simpsons games and wrestling games. You know, so um, that's well, that's my love for for games in a nutshell. <laughs> you want to kick it off? Con- well, on the contrast, on the contrary, um, I am a passionate gamer. I love gaming. I I think. I am like a lot of people that in this lockdown and in quarantine and these weeks of isolation, gaming has been a real source of comfort for me, yeah. you know, um, but I'm quite fussy as a gamer. I, maybe it's the English teacher in me, the the lover of storytelling, but I, I really, with wrestling games being the main exception, I need my games to be narrative based. And it can be quite simple, straightforward narratives like in Spyro the Dragon, like kind of child-friendly games. Or it could be really profound, adult, and very, very daring and uh, thought-provoking narratives like in The Last of Us or Red Dead Redemption 2, or to a certain extent, the GTA games as well. So it's... um, And uh, one thing I will maybe get into is that even though wrestling games, apart from some of their story mode features, which we will no doubt mention, uh, they're not narrative-based. I often would play them and project my own narratives onto them project my right. own storylines my own fantasy matches so it feels like for me wrestling gaming has never been too far removed from good storytelling and after all that's what wrestling is it's storytelling often without words um, yeah. and so my um passion i suppose for wrestling games starts with wwf warzone and i have spoken about this in the pod before uh, i think on our first episode when we spoke yeah. about a wrestling story i talked about getting a playstation one for christmas at some one one of the christmases in the 90s um and they came with like a bundle of games and warzone was the first one and i was immediately entranced by the characters it's one of those games which doesn't play that well nowadays it's not hugely well regarded but it came out in the height of the austin era um it has a small roster it uh, had um a lot of things that would become staples of the gaming franchise from that point, such as create a wrestler, full-blown entrances. But what I loved about it was the uh, a lot of the trash talking that would happen during the match. The wrestlers would speak during the match. And even though JR and Vince McMahon would do commentary as well, the wrestlers would speak to each other. Um, nice. And it's one of my favorite commentary tracks of any wrestling game of all time. Another f- hilarious thing is that if you create your own wrestler, 
the fans still chant for you, but they go, play your one, play your one, <laughs> or, or indeed player two. Um, nice. And uh, But speaking about stories, are you at all familiar with the season mode slash story mode of WWF Warzone? I never played Warzone at all. Right. Sit back and let me educate you, Chris. I'll go for it. <laughs> Try not to do too much time. So Warzone's story mode is essentially like a um like a gauntlet series. You basically have to win a series of single matches to get to the top and to win the, the WWF title. That's the end goal of this. Um and in between matches you see a menu of televisions all stacked up on each other, and each television goes in order and has a wrestler's face. So match one, you might be fighting Shawn Michaels, then you might fight Brett, then you might fight Mosh or Thrasher, okay? Right. Uh, and you work your way through the entire roster until the final match, which I think is against Austin or Taker, depending on who you're going as. Um, now, in between the matches, these cutscenes happen, and these cutscenes occur, you know the beginning of the old Raw's War intro in the Weird Warehouse? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The cutscenes happen there, and I think the implication is is that that's where your wrestler lives. I don't know. Right. That's, um, that's the wall zone. But uh, look this up on YouTube. This car pulls up outside the warehouse, outside the war zone, and uh, a limousine, uh, the window opens, and there's this uh, beautiful woman inside. And she, uh, I can't remember much of her dialogue, but she's kind of flirty with you at first, and but she's not too impressed with you. But the more you build up the matches, the more she's taken with you. And I don't know if you actually get in the car for at the end. I'll need to look that up. But that's something that's stuck up in my mind is that throughout you beating these wrestlers, there's this side story of you flirting with this woman <laughs> in the car. Do you remember, um, when, uh, do you remember in, like, I think it was the first SmackDown versus Raw that you would right? get in the shower with Tori Wilson? Oh, yeah. There is a, there is a lot of weird <laughs> love like if you, if you were playing, If you were playing as The Undertaker, right, you were in full gear. <laughs> you'd have a shower with Tori Wilson. So random. That reminds me of Al Wilson in the shower with Don Marie yeah. and Funaki going, what were you doing in the shower with your clothes on? <laughs> no mercy. Al Wilson. <laughs> Al Wilson. Al Wilson. That was oh, a real dad. The rest is so I He know. actually has passed on now in real life. But um, I know. I know. And I can't believe, I mean, what a trooper Tori Wilson is having our dad getting involved so much. You know, that storyline was vile. God, I know, but it's also amazing. Oh, it's, yeah, it's brilliant, it's brilliant. Yeah. Um oh, yeah, but I was a big fine. Don Marie fan. Um I need I'm gonna I'm now gonna impart you, and this is probably the, one of the last things I'll say about Warzone, because there's plenty we could talk about. But I'm gonna impart with you a, a treat that I want you to take away, and I want all of you to take away and enjoy this in your own time. This was a contender for what I was gonna be thankful for on next week's pod. Um in between the matches when you don't flirt with the woman in the car in Warzone, you get treated to, and this is only on the PlayStation version because only the PlayStation at this time could handle movie clips, then N64 couldn't. So you didn't get this on the N64. Right. You'd be treated to promos from the wrestlers who are standing in front of green screens, but the green screen is showing the Warzone. So it's like they're standing in the warehouse with the flames and everything. Yeah. And a lot of them are just like bog standard. It's like Bulldogs going, you know, my bite is bigger than my bark or um, don't know why he's German there. Uh, or, you know, <laughs> Bret Hart's the best there is, the best there was. Yeah. Kane doesn't say anything because he didn't speak at this point. So he just does his arms raised and flames thing. Um, and that's them. Basically, it's the video of them challenging you. Then you get to Ahmed Johnson. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I just this is so funny. Like, go and watch. Like his promos in general were mental. 
Oh, but his promos in this, I think, I think somebody's done like tried to guess what he's saying with, on YouTube with and subtitled them. But he's just he's probably gonna. <laughs> hey, we're doing this kind of way. I'm gonna kick your ass. And my God, and my back is jump for that man. And he, you just <laughs> no idea what he's saying. And I used to love it because the, each wrestler must have done two or three different versions of this. <laughs> you all right there, Chris? <laughs> oh my god, I wasn't expecting that at all. <laughs> treat yourself, treat yourself, and watch the Ahmed Johnson <laughs> promos from Warzone. They are like it sounds like at one point he's going, hey, they, they, they're puppy dog, but he's not. I know. So, do you remember when when he t- <laughs> when he turned heel and he joined the nation? And he came out wearing all black now because that's what heels wear. And yeah. then in the first promo of him being a heel, he dislocated his knee. <laughs> <laughs> and that it was the end laugh, of the story. But... That was the end of it. Oh. It's uh, oh it's God. something else, man. Um, so yeah, that that game was unique. You would do um specific combinations on the controller to do the finisher. So that was always a pain to try and remember them. But the, right. to do the Stone Cold Stunner was circle, right, right, circle. And that is ingrained in my memory because Austin was my guy at the time. Yeah. So Warzone opened the door for me and the franchise would blossom and there were other titles. And I've got a whole list here, but this isn't the Glenn Show. Where did wrestling gaming start for you? And we can go back and forth in time. Or is there anything that you want to talk about first in terms of your half well, of this? Um. I'll, I'll talk about the first one I ever had. I don't know if like if this was the very first one, but like SmackDown, just bring it, and SmackDown, shut your mouth, were two very like iconic games for me. Um, mm-hmm. I can remember the day I got SmackDown, shut your mouth, which I told on my wrestling story on episode one. Um, but I remember just I must have just had just bring it, you know. Um, yeah, but I definitely played it. shut your mouth more because I believe shut your mouth was the first time. I don't know. I might been here comes the pain, but I believe one of the, one of the two had like the the brand split for the first time. That was um, shut your mouth. Um, yeah, because just bring it felt really outdated when it came out because it was post invasion, but it hardly had, barely had anybody of that era, yeah. so it was really outdated. Um, do you have any notes about the commentary in just bring it? No, no. I remember you can go to Times Square and and like wrestle like outside WWF New York. Which when I went there in 2017, I was standing where WWF New York was, and I went inside. To, it's now a Hard Rock uh, cafe. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, been and uh, I just standing there going, "This is WWF New York. It's mental." I used to play this and just bring it and shut your mouth. <laughs> it's incredible. So, um, shut your mouth. We'll probably have more to say about because that is by far a better game and i think that was a revolutionary game in the series and i don't think it gets the credit credit it deserves but just bring it on the other hand smackdown 3 which came before shut your mouth um that was rushed out because that was like the first one on the ps2 generation yeah um and the commentary was michael cole and taz for the first time and it was awful <laughs> um let's let's say the match is uh Tajiri versus Billy Gunn, okay? okay. You pin to, you pin Billy Gunn, you're Tajiri, because we love Tajiri in the show, don't we? We do love Tajiri. We do. Um so Taz would go, Tajiri won the match. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? I think I vaguely remember that. <laughs> the big show. Won the match! Won the match, yeah, I think so. I think I vaguely remember that, yeah. Um, it it was quite revolutionary, and like you could do eight man tags in that game. It was the last game you could do that for you know until recently, until two K nineteen, I think, or something like that. Uh, so, but you also mentioned shut your mouth, 
on the PS2. Uh, yeah. And that for me, I mean, what an improvement. The graphics were so much better and the roster was incredible. But you brought that to the table. So what else do you have to say about it? Nothing really too much, but I remember, um, honestly, Shut Your Mouth was one of the ones where it was just like, oh, I have to, I have to play the wrestling game, you know? It was like mm-hmm. the first thing you do in the day is you play SmackDown Shut Your Mouth. Um, but I actually have more memories of the SmackDown versus Raws and Here Comes the Pain than I do mm-hmm. that one. I just remember having so much fun. That was the first time I could explore the whole roster, you know, and Shut Your Mouth. Yeah. And uh, I remember thinking it was really cool, the fact that it was a SmackDown game, but you could still play as Raw characters. Yeah, yeah. SmackDown Shut Your Mouth was one of the was the first game I ever tried to create myself on the Creator right, Wrestling. Okay, mode. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you could do this cool matrix effect when you have you hit your finisher and shut your mouth as well. And I think they used it again in Here Comes the Pain. Like you would double tap L1 during your finisher and it would do like the matrixing where the camera spins around and the action freezes. Um cool. the game also had an incredible menu, but there was a great feature where you could change Booker T's entrance. Do you know where I'm going with this? No. Right. So in the Create Wrestler mode, you could assign Booker T a slightly different version of his entrance where you may imagine Booker T's entrance. He comes out, he's at the top of the stage, he does the, the thing with the five in his hand and he kind of yeah. nods his head and then he jumps up in the pyro and then he walks to the ring. Well, you could assign a different entrance where he does the pyro, but that shoots him right up into the air. And then he falls down and lands on his head and then just twitches and limps and presumably dies during his entrance. Why? For fun. (laughs) They they did a lot (laughs) of stuff like that. Um, So yeah, Shut Your Mouth was a great game. Um, Yeah. And uh, and that then of course was 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 uh, followed up by here comes the pain. I should mention that before that we had the uh, SmackDown Know Your Role, which was all on yeah. the PS uh, SmackDown One and Two, which and Two was Know Your Role, which was the last couple on the PlayStation One. Uh, and I would like to s- state that I love that SmackDown Two was the first game that allowed you to see the title belts. All and right. I was on a weird Scotty Two Hotty phase at this point in my life. <laughs> um, and so the why fact not? That you could do. Why not? You could do the worm fully animated in this game. Uh, I gave, gave Scotty to Hoy every single title in this game. Uh, and yeah, just it just was part of my like fandom at that point. Uh, but you said you've got more memories of the games that came beyond that. Well, here comes the pain onwards. Yeah. Um, so what, what, what was it? Was it versus Raw or Here Comes the Pain? What would you was like your first well, love of in the wrestling games? I think Here Comes the Pain always gets talked about and it is, I mean, revolutionary because it was the first time you got yeah. the Elimination Chamber. It was the first time yeah. you could really unlock so many legends. And I was just thinking that was so cool. Like, I mean, it, it took ages mm-hmm. and it was really difficult because you had to save up a lot of money. And I believe it was like, I don't know if it was just career mode or whatever, but you had to like win all these matches and then you would buy the wrestlers, you know? That's right. You would buy yeah. Hawk so for 64 grand or whatever, you know? Um, <laughs> and it was just, it was just weird. It was, it was just having so many of them, first, you know. It was the first time you'd ever you ever did get legends. It was sad that they didn't all have entrance music, the legends. In fact, I don't think they did. And they all would come to the ring oh, on the, that's right. the wee the wee thing, the wee car, yeah. the wee ring car from WrestleMania three. Um so they totally didn't get proper entrances and the, the music was lacking. But uh, weirdly enough, uh, the the just into the last minute, Ultimate Warrior and Jeff Hardy were supposed to be in that game, but Warrior for whatever reason they had to pull at the last minute, and of course Jeff left the company. Yeah. So you can still see promotional footage of Jeff and Here Comes the Pain. It's really? also the first one to have blood as well. Oh, I loved that. I loved when it would like when it would like like splash onto the screen. It would go all red. Mm-hmm. 
That was cool. Um, but um, I kind of mentioned about like having to save up your money to buy the wrestlers. Did you ever play WrestleMania 21? No, because I was a PlayStation only guy, but I'm familiar with that series. It was that well, was GameCube, wasn't it? That was Xbox. Um, Xbox. I, I I was very. I'm always been PlayStation. I've always been a PlayStation guy. Um, but I don't. I think my cousin must have been getting rid of his Xbox or something, and I just kind of took a loan of it before he threw it out. And he had the WrestleMania 21 game, and I just threw it on one time. Oh, he also had Raw 2 with Goldberg on the cover, and I played yeah, that for a bit. Yeah. Um, but uh, WrestleMania 21 was all about, it wasn't so much about just the gameplay, but it was all about unlocking everybody. And um, so I was like, okay, that's cool. I'll spend the next couple of days just trying to get like a big roster or whatever. I remember like Mankind was in all the adverts and that sort of thing. I thought it was really yeah. cool to get Mankind, not McFoley, but Mankind. Um, so I was trying to work out how to get him, but it turns out that you needed like literal millions and thousands. It wasn't just like you just you just save up a couple of you know wins and then you can buy them like you could do. And here comes the pain. It would literally yep. take you like months of worth of gaming to unlock anybody. And uh, I got I got shy of that game uh, quite soon because I got so frustrated at the fact that I'd play all day and all I was able to get was like Bob Backlund or whatever, you know. No offence to Bob <laughs> Backlund, but I wanted Mankind and I wanted Andre and yeah, I wanted Brett, but yeah. I could never get them. God, it's uh, it's it's funny. Like nowadays, you can just buy an accelerator if you want to unlock exactly. one like that. You know, yeah. it's so. But you, and here comes the pain in a lot of these games, like WrestleMania Twenty One. It, it it did feel so special when you finally got to unlock them. It was a mm-hmm. badge of honor. It was something that you could boast about. Um, we all, I don't think either of us will have much to say about another classic which people love, and that's No Mercy on the N sixty four. Maybe you do, but yeah. I was never a Nintendo guy apart from like the Game Boy. Uh, and uh, that actually brings me to a game that I need to mention, but I don't want to talk too much in this podcast because I feel like I'm rambling well, a lot. Well, I've got a Game Boy one as well to talk about, and it is Survivor Series. Okay, right. You tell us about Survivor Series, then I'll throw in my Game Boy contribution, okay? So it was just like, it was just called Survivor Series, and it had like pictures of Survivor Series 2003 on the cover, so it must have been, you know, early mm-hmm. 04 or whatever. This came out. And I, uh, I remember being, say, say again? I just think I'd never heard of this one. I don't think it did very well, but it was a really cool game, and it was um, a lot of a bit like WrestleMania Twenty One, where it was like obstacles they had to beat this certain person to move on to this certain person, right. and it was it was kind of tournament based. And I think that's because of Survivor Series. It wasn't yeah. so much of like um, tag team matches; it was more of surviving the series. And um, I remember being on holiday. I believe it was in Barcelona. It must have been two thousand and five. I was in Barcelona, and I went to the new camp where Barcelona play football. And yeah. uh, I remember being on the bus, sitting next to my mum, and it was like an hour-long drive to the new camp. And uh, I had my Game Boy with me, and I played like a whole tournament in that one bus ride um, of, yeah. of uh, Survivor Series. And I remember playing as Rey Mysterio. And um, it, there wasn't many characters. I think it may have been like maybe 12 characters in total because the Game uh-huh. Boy was so restricted. But it was so much fun having it in your hand, though, like, and having it like so handy to you. And it was really easy as well, you know? So it was like fun to win, and it was uh, more annoying when you lost... <laughs> And uh, yeah, that was one of my favorite ones as a kid because I remember that distinct memory of being in Barcelona playing it. Uh, isn't it funny? Like you really only get this with handheld games because you can take them places, but yeah, games can take you back to places as well as times and phases in your life. And a lot of these video games are time capsules. So whether it's taking you back to being on a holiday or just being a certain age of your life, like Warzone does for me, and yeah. um, that's something I've always loved about gaming is that they are time capsules. They they get stuck in on of their time. And speaking of the Game Boy, we'll go back a few years to Game Boy Color. Did you ever play WWF Betrayal on Game Boy Color? 
No, I didn't, but I, I know exactly what it was all about, but I didn't play it. This is an excellent game. It's a wrestling game with no wrestling in it. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's a story-based game. And for those of you who don't know, you open up and you can either pick to play as Undertaker, Rock, Triple H, or Austin. And the game opens up with uh, a wrestling match happening. And um, I'm, regardless of who you pick, the story's, for the most part, pretty much the same. And the only thing that's different is that you hit a different finishing move, depending on who you uh, picked. But in the story, Stephanie McMahon's been kidnapped and Vince needs you to go and go for a series of challenges to try and rescue her. Right. But in the end, it was me, Austin. It was me oh, all along. That's the betrayal. Uh, and so I, th I think Vince might be the final boss. I don't know. I might have made that up. I might be wrong with that because it's been years. I still got my cartridge of it. And uh, I think the story ends slightly differently if you're Triple H because it doesn't make sense that Stephanie would betray Triple H. Um, but generally speaking, it's bonkers. It's kind of like Street Fighter. You just kind of walk through streets and alleyways and you're getting beat up by thugs at every other corner. Uh, that was symptomatic of wrestling being in its prime and them churning out anything with the WWF logo on it. Everybody nice. was trying to capitalize on wrestling at that time. I never had a GameCube. I always wanted a GameCube, but I never had one um, because they released one called WrestleMania 19 and they had Day of Reckoning. And yeah, uh, I always wanted them, but I never got a chance. My, one of my pals who I've not seen in years and years and years, and years I think he's got like a child now and stuff, and uh, he's moved away to his own house now, and it's like, I, we used to hang about together, but it's weird. He had the GameCube, and I used to go down and play WrestleMania 19 on his one before, and it was like mm -hmm. so cool because I'd never got a chance to play those characters with those graphics because the Nintendo graphics were so much different. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I love that one a lot. I've got one for you that I don't know if you know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you'll know, but I don't know how, how familiar of it you will be. But did you ever play Legends of Wrestling? I did. I think there was two of them. Yes, I never Legends Wrestling it. one or two. I rented it uh, once or twice just because it was wrestling related. Um, you brought it to the table, Chris. Tell us more. It was, it was odd because I couldn't really understand. It wasn't a WWE game. It was released by Acclaim. And uh -huh. um, it was, I guess it was all about independent contractors. So you had folk like Brett, who of course wanted no affiliation around that time. The first mm -hmm. one came out in 2001 and Legends of Wrestling 2 came out in 2002. And um, Brett was in there, Hogan, Goldberg, uh, Jerry Lawler for some reason was in there. Yeah. RVD was in the first one, but then he signed with WWE. So he wasn't in the second one, but Eddie Guerrero was in the second one because he'd yeah. been released. Um, so there was a bunch of, and I don't know why, it was just such a cool game and uh, Sting was in it. And a bunch of WCW guys that never signed with WWE. And uh, Legends of Wrestling 2 that came out in 2002 featured classic UK wrestlers such as Giant Haystacks, Kendall Nagasaki, oh, Mick McManus and Big Daddy. And I remember thinking at the time, like, because oh, my dad had told me about Giant Haystacks before and, and Kendall Nagasaki. Yeah. And in later life, I'd gone back and watched a bunch of their stuff. But at the time, all I'd heard about was them. So it was really cool to see them in, like, in a game and be able to play them. Because all I'd, I'd heard my dad t talk about how much of a great wrestler Kendo Nagasaki was. I'd never mm -hmm. heard that. I'd never seen him before, you know? So it was yeah. cool to see him in that game. Yeah, but I remember that one not being particularly easy or user-friendly. But the roster no. was so bonkers, I kind of like got away with it, you know? Mm -hmm. It was... Um, I remember there was a weird character in the first one that would do the Nazi good step, good step down the aisle, and I never knew who it was. Really? Uh, really weird yeah like jbl eat your heart out like but it was it was um proper like 
Nazi goose stepping. And in fact, the, the, just as well, WWE didn't put their name to this. But yeah, I remember Guerrero being in one of them as well. I also remember him having a really, really stereotypical and bad taste mariachi theme for his entrance music. Oh, really? I don't remember that. Even... I remember Sabu being in one as well. He, he themed with RBD a lot of the time. That's right. Uh, now the Guerrero theme was it was kind of it was like there there was no attempt to imitate like la- the Latino Heat theme for example right. like a lot of like rival companies would do if they signed a the guy uh, it was just your straightforward like you would just come into that oh Jesus you've just gone for that because he's Mexican that's a very Vincism isn't it I know right. But yeah, so um, that's a really good one to bring to the table. I hadn't thought about that, but I remember that because they, they used Hogan a lot for the promotion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I, what I don't really remember about the games was, was how well did they play in relation to the other, like the big titles, the WWE titles. I mean, I think they were all right, but in terms of like as as a kid, you know, I wanted SmackDown versus Raw, you know, um, yeah, and it was yeah. more strike-based, I guess, and it was more like kind of spotty. It wasn't, you know, the way like the fluidity of the wrestling games at that time was, was kind of developing and becoming really, really good. Um, that one was a lot of like, and here's a chair, and oh, it's a Van Daminator. It wasn't necessarily like now you've got a chair, now you can choose what to do with it, sort of thing. So it was very basic, but it was it was a lot of fun at the time. Nice one. Um, <clears throat> well, here's one for you. Uh, you've mentioned two different franchises in this show when we're talking about video games, and two of them have met with disastrous results. I'm talking about PlayStation One and Simpsons Wrestling. Oh my goodness, I have no knowledge. In fact, you know what? It just hit me there. I can see the cover, but I never played it. I can't believe that for someone who said that you like Simpsons games and you like wrestling games that you've never played yeah. Simpsons wrestling. Random, random, random. I don't know. So how much do you know about this game? Very little. I just remember seeing it in like, like I CEX maybe, <laughs> like five years ago. Right. The Simpsons wrestling was symptomatic of the fact that both franchises were really popular at the same time. Yeah. Like in the late 90s and early 2000s, Simpsons were still churning out good episodes like consistently and wrestling was hot. So I think it was 99 or 2000 it came out. Here comes the game. Not here comes the pain, but here comes the game. <laughs> Although pain came with it. It is notorious because unlike Hit and Run or even Simpsons, uh, the taxi one that came before Hit and Run. Um, Road Rage. It's appalling. Road Rage, that's the one. Uh, it, it is utterly, utterly appalling. It has been thrown together like really quickly, and Flanders is impossible to defeat because God keeps resurrecting him. And there's just wow. something about disturbing about playing as Marge and beating up Bart or Lisa. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah, um, it, it's a terrible, terrible game. But if you want to laugh? Go on YouTube and watch a let's play of Simpsons wrestling. It's one of the more I'm- obscure wrestling titles out there. Speaking of obscure wrestling titles, I've just remembered one and searched it on Google and now I have it in front of me. Did you ever play Def Jam Vendetta? I know about it, but I never played it. It was the was it was it like a hip hop kind of thing? Yeah, it was like um it was like rappers in a warehouse build a wrestling ring. And uh here's the plot on Wikipedia. The player has a oh God, choice between four yes. the, the player has a choice between four street fighters, Briggs who is a dishonorably discharged soldier, proof, yep. an ex-super bike racer, tank, not tank Abbott, tank, a massive Japanese fighter, and the DJ Spider, although the story is the same for each of them. 
Uh, and all I remember, I rented this from Global Video about 17 times. I never progressed in the story, but I would, any, any time I'd go and stay at my grand's, because she had a Global Video across the road, and um, yeah. and and uh, we used to play it together, and it was bonkers. I mean, it was just it was brutal. I mean, there was like pile drivers, you know, Death Valley drivers, DDTs and stuff just on like metal. But um, yeah. it was a lot of fun in terms of a fighting game. It says here it's a pro wrestling game. I would put it towards more fighting. But um, it mm-hmm. says, combined with hip-hop with pro wrestling, releasing the PlayStation 2 and GameCube under EA Sports in North America and Europe. So um, it was <laughs> EA's first attempt at a wrestling game since the widely panned WCW Backstage Assault, um, oh, which I never played. So um, yeah, Def Jam Veneta just hit me when you said obscure wrestling games. Well... Speak obscure, let's go no further than WWE Crush Hour. Oh, that was on my list. I was wanting to hit you with that. Crush Hour is a oh, gem. Man. <laughs> go on then. Ah, yeah, I bought Crush Hour because Brock Lesnar was on the cover and I think Kane was on the cover. Was it Br- yeah. Lesnar, Kane and RVD? I think so, yeah, those three. And I was thinking, uh, oh, please well, it's... educate, educate us for those who wouldn't know what game why this is such a special game well when you look at it in the shops it's a really cool cover and it's like i think the the tagline was like um drive let's wait i'm gonna search actually on wikipedia crush your world wwe game um and it looked like the coolest thing ever it was like i think this Mm -hmm. may have been the first time lesnar was in a game Um, yeah i'm not sure but then, on, if you read the back, you'll understand why it was a bit of a disappointment. WWE Crush Hour is a vehicular combat video game produced by THQ in 2003. And what it would be is you would choose... There wasn't many options of who you could play as. But mm-hmm. what you would do is you would choose a certain car and your wrestler would then customise the car. And you would battle each other by driving past each other and trying to like ram into each other. But also you'd be trying to like hit clotheslines and super kicks. Yeah. And even sometimes you'd try and have your car hit the other person's car with that wrestler's finisher. <laughs> and it was just weird. <laughs> but at all times there was this like heavy metal music playing. But it wasn't necessarily like songs. It was just music combined with car noises. And uh, yeah. it was just, I don't know, there was foreign objects available. Uh Enhance the destruction of the opponent's vehicles and a special move, which would inflict significantly more damage than the other aforementioned weapons. And it, <laughs> the best part about the whole game is the whole thing was narrated by Jim Ross, and you can tell he has Brilliant. no interest in this whatsoever. What I love about that game is the the story based premise of the whole thing. Yeah, that Vince McMahon has bought television, not like a TV set; <laughs> like he's bought all of television. And that all the channels are WWF themed, and in the openings uh, cutscene, as I recall, you get some examples of some of these TV shows, including Kane having a cookery show, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> That's right. Friend of the show, Jonathan Coachman, runs that uh, that entire segment, as I recall, as well. Yeah. Bloody hell. God um, love Crush Hour. Gotta love it. I did love Crush Hour. I've got another obscure one for you. Go on. Backyard Wrestling 2. This is ringing a very, very faint bell, but I must say, it's quite unknown to me. It was called Backyard Wrestling 2, There Goes the Neighbourhood. And uh, in the early 2000s, I don't know who commissioned this, but some uh, DVD company produced DVDs of like backyard wrestling and it would it would like just be guys in their back garden doing moonsaults off the roof and they sold loads and loads of copies of these DVDs. They made a, low, a lot of money off it. And then in mm-hmm. 2004... Well, maybe in 2003, I suppose, they came out with the Backyard Wrestling video game that was universally panned. So then they tried again. 
and they came up with Backyard Wrestling 2, There Goes the Neighbourhood, and uh, it was on PlayStation 2 and Xbox, and uh, there was a licensed soundtrack to this game, including Cool Keith, The Insane Clown Posse, <laughs> Bad yep. Brains, uh, and for some, for some reason, this is news to me, Saliva and Fallout Boy? Really? What? So <laughs> Fallout Boy were on this. Um, so I want to read to you the roster. <laughs> Please the roster. do this. This is the roster of Backyard Wrestling 2, There Goes the Neighbourhood. Violent J, who was a rapper in the uh, Insane Cloud Posse. Shaggy right. Too Dope, who was uh, also a rapper. Then you had uh, Madman Pondo. No idea. We had uh, Vic Grimes, who was once killed by New Jack. Uh, I thought that was the guy in The Simpsons. No. <laughs> New Jack is also in the game. Uh, yeah, Vampiro. Vampiro's in the game. That's a big name. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Sandman's in the game. Sonjay Dutt from TNA. Uh, yeah. We had Sick Nick Mondo from SCZW. Uh, there was mm-hmm. the Masked Horn Dog. Um, <laughs> we had Messiah, Supreme, John Zandig from CCW. And then we had uh, Terra Patrick and Sunrise Adams, two extremely popular porn stars in the early 2000s. Wow. Yeah, they were playable characters and they had finishers, which I believed included the Bronco Buster and the X Factor. Um, well, something why. for the whole family then. Yeah. So uh, it was, again, it's, it's under sports and fighting, not pro wrestling. But I remember having this game and it was an 18 and I remember feeling so rebellious having this game. But it was a lot of fun. Like, I had no idea who any of them were apart from Vampiro. Um, mm-hmm. And honestly, you would, you would literally, it would be things like uh, you... you <laughs> Just, and was it literally like in a backyard? And no, you'd, you'd pick the backyard. So there'd be one with a pool, there'd be one with a football yeah. court, there'd be a, a basketball court, a football pitch, a tennis court. Uh-huh. Uh, there was one with a garage. But the one with the, the swimming pool had no water in the pool. So you would do like okay. suplexes into the, into the empty pool. But then like the weapons you could just pick up, they were like placed on the ground and you'd just go and pick up and it'd be like a chainsaw, a flamethrower, um, a weed whacker, <laughs> like, a, like knives, like... <laughs> He was attempting to kill the other player. Um, it was a lot of fun, and and uh, you can imagine like a ten year old like me playing this game, loving it because it was so violent, and it shouldn't have been this violent. But um, in terms of a story, there was no story. It was just a sort of um, fighting game, you know. But that was a lot of fun. Brilliant. You know, for me, I don't know if you have any more obscure ones. A lot of mine are starting to narrow down yeah, into too. the the conventional, but that's not a bad thing. Like. The, the series started to get really, really consistent with the advent of SmackDown versus Raw. Um, and the thing is with the, the SmackDown versus Raw games particularly is that, you know, they ran from the first one up until SmackDown versus Raw 2011 before they changed into WWE 12 and then yep. from there into the 2K series. Um, and for me, because that's when the games really became annual, a lot of the SmackDown versus Raws blur in my memory, but I have a lot of fond memories from this from those games, like the incredible story modes, the fact yeah. that they had proper voice acting, GM modes, and um, there was one I think it was two thousand and seven, and you might know about this, Chris. There was one which had a storyline in the season mode where you would play for the Legends, uh, Legends Tour story. Did you ever play that? Uh, I don't. Re- I must have played that if, if it was on the game, but I don't remember. I, all, only thing legends wise I remember was in WWE twelve. Do you remember when they did like yeah. a WCW story with like Kevin Ash and Booker yes. T, and like they just recreated Clash the Champions, and it was absolutely brilliant. 
That was the last WWE. All right, okay, we're gonna shelf SmackDown versus Raw for a second because I want to talk about this. WWE 12 was one of the last games that had a great story mode because that ran for like three years, didn't it? And it had like the the Sheamus storyline and yeah. uh, the WCW stuff. It had an excellent roster that game as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was the first time Punk had cult personality on a game too. So there was ah, yes. a lot of great things. It, it was also the first game I think I played on PS3, like at least the oh, first right, wrestling cool. game. Um, even though they'd been on the PS3 for quite a while at that point, I'd still only been playing the PS2 versions at that point. So WW12 was great in terms of that. But to go back to um, the yeah, sorry. SmackDown versus Raw, let, let no, don't be daft. It's not as if I haven't taken you on tangents today. <laughs> uh, for, for further reference, go back to Chris's uh, thankful segment. Um, so <laughs> the uh, SmackDown versus Raw game, I think it was 2007, which had the Legends Tour storyline. But it is what it was. Uh, WWE are going on a Legends tour, and they uh, all the Legends are coming back, dead or alive, and you can tell who they could get in to do voice acting. For example, like The Rock's in it, but he never speaks because obviously he's just was too far gone at that point. Uh, but Austin's in it, and he has a lot of dialogue, so Austin must have done a lot with the with THQ to record for this game and the story's great fun he, he like hits a lot of people with a lot of stunners including jimmy hart who has a lot to say in it as well but the thing i remember most about this and go back and watch the cutscenes, is that when they did the cutscenes and animated austin you know how he used to have that wobbly head thing that he did when he hit a stunner yeah and he would like get in your face and his head would shake about they did that for him in this game but as if he'd like been snorting a lot of cocaine <laughs> like okay he, his his head bobbles so fast. It's like he's having some sort of fit. Um, and it's not just when he hits a stunner. It's like when he walks, his head is going like this. And they've taken it too far, this wobbly stone cold head. So uh, that's the kind of standout memory from that game for me. Um, in, in that kind of era of games, though, from SmackDown versus Raw up until the 2K games, what ones are really big highlights for you? All of them from the first SmackDown versus Raw up until 2008. Um, just in terms of the story modes, the GM mode, the roster, and the soundtracks, well, just oh, I have so many nostalgic feelings and memories of standing in like my mate's house and just creating all these wrestlers. And because I don't know if they still do, it. I've not played two K nineteen, but um, I don't think anyone else has either. Um, but I, I think when you were creating a wrestler and creating other things, the, the soundtrack would just play on repeat, like it would just go through yeah. every song. And it wasn't like you couldn't play the theme songs like you could do in the later games, which I really liked, actually. I liked in the 2K games, you could choose whose theme song played in the menus. Yeah, yeah. But um, in those days, it was just like the same eight songs the whole time. And some of those songs were unreal. And at the time you hear them for the first time, you just think they're cool wrestling songs. But then they become, you learn them, you know, and you kind of learn them all yeah. by heart because you heard them so many times. I can't tell you how many times I have sat either maybe in a bar or a restaurant or even in my clubbing days and heard one of these songs and popped because it was a song from a wrestling game and yeah. not always being too sure who it was or what the song was called yeah but knowing it and knowing all the words and just saying hey that's in smackdown versus raw do you remember the one uh, I, I think it was 2006 or 7 and um, it was it was from blackstone cherry and it was called lonely train and it went big, big train rolling down the line. I yes. used to I used to tell my mum and dad, that's the big show. That's the big show singing that. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? Big train oh, rolling. <laughs> but then should it be big show rolling? 
<laughs> song about and then like it was like the three day grace songs and uh breaking benjamin and power man yeah. 500 oh brilliant soundtracks like the uh i think for me the soundtracks in that series were consistently great in smackdown versus raw but i feel like it kind of the the, the soundtrack that i remember quite fondly is from wwe 13 actually with the um uh revolution song that, that, that one that I, I heard that revolution song about eight million times that year it was in every advert it was on every game it was yeah. a good song yeah, no it was and uh like here's the thing like it's like it speaks again to wrestling games being time capsules you hear these songs that takes me back to that time in my life i hear that blackstone cherry song sometimes and i i'm a teenager in my bedroom at my dad's house again do you know what i mean like yeah uh, I'm, I'm back and i'm playing those games i've got it I here hang also... on i've got it here oh yes please That wasn't Black Sun Cherry, by the way. That was Revolution. That was that was that was a revolution. <laughs> but yeah, um, I used to also like uh, when I would like use my wrestling figures, and that's another episode, like for another time. Like I would play with wrestling figures, and I would make stories of that. I don't know if you ever did this, but I would use the create a wrestler menu to play the entrance music for the my wrestlers. Okay, I never done that, but that's that's a good idea. It was good fun. I used to love it. But sometimes you'd have to load up a different game for different wrestlers because, like, you know, the, like the Hardy Boys wouldn't be in a certain game, for example. Yeah. So, um, and it was in this series that I started, like, and I'm not ashamed to say, I was doing this well into my 20s. Like, um, when I would play these games, even long after they stopped having proper story-based modes, I would just project my own stories onto it. There would be dream matches that I'd want to play. And I would like say I did CM Punk versus Undertaker at yeah. WrestleMania. And then I think, well, maybe Kane would want to get revenge on Punk for ending the streak. Yeah. And so I'd play that match in the Monday Night Raw arena. And so it's not as if I was sitting writing out a story, but I had it going on in my head. And even well, even when I was like 22, 23, 24, I was still doing that with these games. Yeah. I probably still would be today if I wasn't like an adult with a busy job. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I'm, I'm married and all these things. Like because it's the love of the story that has always been there, whether it's wrestling on telly or wrestling in video games. Yeah. I don't know if you ever did the same thing, but well, I know I'm, I've got pals who would do that too. Aye, absolutely. It was, it was one of those ones where like not even just in the wrestling games, but with the wrestling figures as well. Like, I was never out, you know, learning how to do certain things. I was never out drinking and doing drugs and stuff like that when I was younger. I was in here, um, and I was coming up with these stories. I was being creative. Like, I was I was coming up with these stories yeah. in my head, not writing anything down, as you said. Just, you know, how would, the, how would the story play out? How would I want it to play out? Especially with the wrestling figures. I would have all the different characters, and I would, do, I would like, set aside one evening and just do a storyline that evening. Um, yeah. I loved that creative side of it. Another thing about the, those SmackDown vs. Raw games, is, and even like just the WWE 12 games or whatever, um, when it was creating an entrance for someone, and it would be like um, you'd have all the options that you could make a creative wrestler being like an entrance of someone in, like already in the game. But there was also like the presets, and there was like 30 presets, and they were all like a wrestler who had been released or hadn't passed away or used to be in the, on the business or whatever. And yeah, you, it, yeah. it never told you who it was, but by... The actions they would do, you would try and guess. So it'd be like Matt Hardy, yeah, yeah. or it would be like MVP, or it would be like Mr. Kennedy. And uh, it wouldn't say that. It would, and Jeff Hardy was a big one. It'd just be like preset yeah. 13. And it would be like yeah. Mr. Kennedy coming out with a microphone or whatever. 
And you could look online to get the guide to see how to create the perfect one. Use yeah, this yeah. move set. Use this entrance. Use this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jeff Hardy was always an easy one to spot because he was yeah. so distinctive with his poses and his taunts and the way he moved. And speaking about um, uh, looking online as well, I remember creating Bobby Lashley in one of the games. It must have been yeah. one of the early SmackDown versus Raws or something. But I remember finding uh, like the the co- is it the code or the the core creator wrestler core um, on mm-hmm, on mm-hmm. Google, and I printed out how to do it, and I got my mum. <laughs> To read out every single attribute, like so, we had the uh, oh, skin no. <laughs> skin tone sixty two, head sixty four, so and so, and Colorado Springs, Colorado. Like I still remember where he's from because of that. And I had my mum That's... sitting on the couch reading out each individual attribute of Bobby Lashley. <laughs> right. First of all, first of all, I know your mum, the poor woman. I know having to do that for you. I know. Right. I love your mum. Uh, second of all, um, that sounded almost threatening, wasn't it? I know your mother. I know your mum. <laughs> Don't mess with us, the teacher and me. <laughs> uh, uh, but, but second of all, I did the same thing. I didn't get my mum to take part, but I did the same thing. <laughs> and like, because people, uh, this is this is a, an unsung strength of these games. You, you know, with WW2K20 being a bit of a, a disaster, you know, people are quite critical of them a lot of the time. But those queer wrestler suites were really detailed yeah. and really fine-tuned. Like they, they were advanced for their time, I think. What was the SmackDown versus Raw where you got to play as Cena, Jericho, Triple H, and Ray, maybe? And you would like walk around backstage before your that match. SmackDown versus Raw 2011, I think. That was the 11. last one. It yeah, yeah. 2010 yeah. or 2011, I think. And it had Brett on uh, the cover? Or you could get like um, you could get like the Hitman edition or whatever. That's right, yeah. So it would have been eleven, I think, because that was yeah. just in time for Brett coming back. Um, and you would you would just walk around and you would go and speak. Like you had like a sort of objective. You had to go and speak to the ref, or you had to go speak to Vince or whatever, and you had to find the room. That was so creative, yeah. so much freedom. I you could literally that. be Chris Jericho in his suit before he went about and wrestled, and you would interact with all these people. You'd go and get food. You'd go to the toilet. You'd go get a drink. It was brilliant. I used to love that about games. You know, the Shut Your Mouth season mode did something similar, but it was all in first person, so you couldn't really right. see the the model of the wrestler you were supposed to be. Um, but I love that idea of like, go to Vince's office or do this and do that. And it's something that the games recently haven't quite nailed. I'd say I'd say the same for like backstage stuff. It's they've never quite got the uh, fun of what it was. And I'll tell you something. Another fun feature which is often missing from these games now was being able to play as a special guest referee so you had a couple oh, mates yeah. around and you wanted to be a special referee you never you could screw your pals over you know what i mean like and yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and that would cause a lot of fun gameplay um or disqualify them for no reason do a proper one of the games actually had a screw job <laughs> setting where you put them in a submission and you could just ring the bell oh really like before they even tapped <laughs> it was excellent like i, I missed those features I remember, um, um, but I think it must have been 2K14, so this would have been 2013, right before 14 came my, out. My um, favourite I had a... game of all time. Oh, really? My favourite wrestling game, 2K14, because of the huge roster in the WrestleMania mode. Crazy, one of the mo- roster was ridiculous. But I remember uh, Universe mode being really high up on my list of things I wanted to do, and I had a Sunday mm-hmm. paper round in 2013, which I would do. I would deliver papers on Sunday, and then Monday night I would go and collect the money after school. And... Um, I, I remember the weeks and weeks and weeks before 2K14 was coming out, just being so excited and so ready for this game. Like, I remember coming up with the universe stories I was going to do in my head while standing at yeah. people's doors collecting the money for the papers. Oh, man. I, I remember that feeling of looking forward to playing the game. Oh. Um, I, I think, it like, you're a creative guy, so it's, it's no surprise that you 
like I think it's it's great that we actually both did the same thing. Like yeah. we both made up these little stories or or, see, or would see where they would go. See, and like, it was everything. I, I wouldn't skip the entrances. I would want to hear yeah, everything from start to finish, the whole presentation. Yeah. And um, you're mentioning universe mode there. Yeah, in universe, I would like completely rejig everything. Like I deleted raw. Mm. I, I I started them um, Thursday night heat, and um, nice. and on, on Mondays it was my wrestling show, which was CWA. And I, of course, um, I, I the used return, a of US, return of lives. CWA and not in the trampoline, it was in the video game. And uh, <laughs> I went on my computer and I got a USB stick and I loaded up the pictures and the theme songs to the wrestlers in the back garden. And I would put the yeah. USB in the PlayStation and create all the all, like independent kind of um, characters like me and my pals and that sort of thing. And uh, and then I would give them the actual theme songs we would use in the back garden on the show. And I put yeah. like the CWA logo as the picture for Universe Mode. And I would have oh, two brilliant. separate rosters. I'd CWA and I'd have Heat. And uh, it, was, it was brilliant. Do you know, actually, the year 2013, when I met Daniel Bryan for the second time, the year after we met. Yeah. Um, I it was like when that game was coming out, so it would have been W13, and uh, it's so confusing, isn't it? Like it was 2012. Wait a minute, I'm, oh, I'm yeah, confused myself. Yeah, it was 2013, <laughs> so 14 was coming out. Yeah, that's right. That's correct. Yeah. So it was in 2013, and they had set up like a 2K14 uh, advertisement thing where you could play the game for a bit while you're waiting for Daniel Bryan to show up. Um, oh, cool. So while we were sitting playing the game, and I completely went onto one of the computers that they set up and completely changed everything in the universe, and I created like my own show and stuff, and just like I made it <laughs> so stupid. Like I like I, I took out Ron Smackdown and added heat, but I called the show WWE or oh, it's roasting, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I added all the pay per views month by month, and I gave them all daft names. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's roasting. <laughs> WWE it's roasted <laughs> and it was the Heat logo in the Heat arena um, and the main event was like Kane and an Inferno match or something so yeah it was yeah. daft that, that was one of my favourite memories of those later games but yeah I used to look forward to them so much and, and be so creative with the universe mode oh man god we've been talking for a while and we have let's, we'll try we'll try wrap it up um, did you ever play the, w, the WCW games uh, no, I'm just. I've, well, I would pay, play them from time to time at Robert's house. There, I've got another week mentioning my best mate, Robert. Yeah. I thought we were um, going to go one I'm show aware. without him. Nah, <laughs> but I've not mentioned Rebellion 2001. Damn it! <laughs> um, but uh, not like uh, here, Smackdown, shut your mouth. You could play in the Rebellion 2001 arena. That was always wow. a highlight for me. That's uh, cool. That was awesome. Um, um, so, like, yeah, so you're talking about the WCW games. Um, I was aware of the controversy around the backstage assault game that you mentioned before, where they just didn't have any rings. It was all backstage. Yeah. Totally well, tipped the scale and didn't go down well. Everyone loves the WCW NWO revenge game, but I never played that one. Yeah. I played WCW Mayhem, but I never had it myself. I think it was my mate Lewis had it. And um, I'd, I'd never go and see Lewis very often. But anything I did, they'd always have this game in and the Legends of Wrestling 2 one. Yeah, and uh, I distinctly remember that you said it before. I don't know which one it was, maybe Warzone, but like the any time you'd go to one of the characters in the roster, they would cut a wee promo. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, the WCW games were really big for that, and this one in particular, everybody had to be promo, and you could tell who kind of embraced it more than others. Like you'd have yeah. like you'd have like Dean Malenko, and he wouldn't even say anything. He'd just be like, "I will put you in the sharpshooter." I don't know why he was Jim. <laughs> Um, but then you'd have people like Brett who knew how much money he's going to make on this video game and Brett was just like screaming and being in character and ripping off the glasses and things like that and you'd have some really cool ones you know um, that's the only memories I have from the WCW games I remember Raven had a really cool one and stuff 
and Goldberg you know, they were... bang, banged his head off the door, of course, giving him like six concussions before he even got to the ring. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, th- those ones, that's the only memory I have of WCW one, but I just wanted to mention that before we go. There were also ECW games which used the same engine as WWF Warzone and Attitude. Oh, right. So they were pretty much clones of those games, but with just uh, different skins on the wrestlers to make it. Um, so it was made by the same people, uh, but it was an ECW roster. And I've never played those either, but they look on like the Let's Play videos as if they play in the exact same way. Uh, and of course, there was the TNA game, the only TNA game that's ever existed. That was did you my ever next play that? Question. I was like, did you ever have the TNA ah! game? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I got it for my birthday one year, and I remember in the, the career mode where you just played the suicide, and uh, it right. was just it was just created for that game. Like you had like the mad cool blue and red gear, and then like all of yeah. a sudden because the game did so well, suicide became a character on Impact. <laughs> yeah, I often forget that he was in the video game first. Yeah. Uh, that's incredible. Um, I didn't ever play the TNA game, but I was aware that it had a really cool story mode of him, right? Where you kind of start off yes, like right. in the indies and you work your way up. And that's something which, that was innovative because WWE weren't doing that with their games at that time. But they I, are now. I think they did that in, in 2K20. Again, I never played that. I got it for Christmas and I put it in the, the PS4 and it just didn't work. Um, so, no, of course it didn't. Because <laughs> yeah, had, they had enough problems around that time. But I believe that was in the, the, the story mode for 2K20s. You started in the indies and they built like an indie arena and then you'd get to the PC mm. and then NXT and then Raw and stuff. So that's really cool. I'm glad they brought that back. Yeah. Um, but I'm it's looking just, forward to um, whatever it's going to be, you know? I, yeah, so the, this is a, now that we're kind of wrapping up, you know, WWE, well, wrestling gaming is in a weird point now because we don't have a wrestling game coming out this year. That's partly because 2K20 was such a disaster. That's partly because of the pandemic. Um, and so there is a new game that's been announced. The name of it escapes me, but it looks a bit more like in the style of WWE All Stars. Yeah, I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed that game at the time. Never played it much, but when I did play it, I, I really enjoyed it. Really fun. It brought a sense of arcade and large and lifeness, which uh, a lot of fans have craved for. Some fun, some fans like how the new games are very much grounded in realism and trying to replicate the, the show, but others want that wacky no mercy kind of old arcade style version of playing games and the rumor is that um every time cody gets asked about the new future to happen aew game that it's going to be in that more wacky style using like the n64 engine that was used for for no mercy so like wrestling games could go in a weird direction now this is now for the first time since i would say like the the current series of games that that are the two K games are part of a, an annual trend which goes back be up before the SmackDown games which started in nineteen ninety nine before that you had Attitude and then before that Warzone and before that in your house yeah so I would think this is the first time since nineteen ninety seven that a game in that linear series hasn't come out. But there is this new one. So it'll be interesting to see where wrestling gaming goes from now. Um, you know, gaming is constantly evolving. And, uh, you know, for me, it was it was one of my earliest first loves in gaming. It was it was a, an integral part of my wrestling story. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I, rather than resign this to just one little what we're thankful for segment, I was really keen to make this a full episode. I do apologize if I've spoken far too much in this episode. I feel Not like I have. No, 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 no way. <laughs> um, it's such a near and dear to me. I think uh, this is a perfect time for AEW to capitalize on this and, and come out with a, like a great game, you know, because WWE yeah. have had so much issues with it. Um, 
I really, I look forward to it, and I like the fact that AEW is getting a lot of treatment over in the UK the same way WWE would. Like their their mm-hmm. figure line is coming out soon, and Smiths are going to have the figures, which is really cool. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and I just, oh, I wish they'd do DVDs. I wish they'd bring the shows out in DVDs because there's no way to access them. Like Double or Nothing last year was such an amazing show, and there's no way to yeah. get it, you know. Um, so I just, I guess, let's just thinking well, we're past DVDs now; they're old fashioned. But I get they could release them digitally, but it's just not the same, you know. Um, but then again, yeah, you know, there is all the pay-per-views on the network, don't they? I guess that's digitally, but I'd rather have the physical copy, especially of something that's not WWE, you know? Um, so hopefully yeah, yeah. the game goes down that route and gets a good treatment and comes out on all major platforms. So I look forward to that yeah. a lot, and I um, I really enjoyed this episode. So thank you for sharing your wisdom and your knowledge with me, because I didn't know a bunch of those ones. Yeah, well, it was genuinely my pleasure, and and, and thank you for for listening, Chris. Thank you to uh, Jeff Hardy and to Ric Flair and to Jeff Jarrett for passing that figure to Matt Hardy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But my biggest thank you, Chris, goes to Ahmed Johnson for the memories. And um, Chris, I don't know if you have a way of working your magic, and rather than closing the show with the usual music, maybe we could close it with Ahmed Johnson's promo. I don't know. It's up to you. WWF Warzone Ahmed Johnson promo is probably the best entertainment you'll ever have. I'll give it a search on WWF Warzone. I'll give it a search on YouTube and see Warzone Ahmed. Yeah, it's the top. It's the top search. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you download and I'll see if I can put it in the end here. Um, yes, give us, a, give us a reminder of the match of the week. Match of the week was uh, Kurt Angle versus The Undertaker from the 4th of July 2002 SmackDown. Look out for that wacky finish, but it's also a great match. We'll check it out right now. And remember, you can contact us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and all those other ones that we haven't created yet, but we'll do one day. Uh, we are at WrestleConnect1 on Twitter and at WrestleConnection on Instagram. Please uh, follow us on there. Please subscribe or follow to whatever you're doing here on your uh, podcasting outlet, whether it be Spotify or Apple or Anchor or Stitcher or Pocket Casts, wherever you get your podcasts, give us a wee subscribe and leave us a rating. It really helps the show get some more eyes and ears on the show. And um, yeah, and, and yeah, check out our YouTube channel as well. I'm always posting individual excerpts from the episodes on YouTube, just in case you can't listen to the full thing. Um, a bunch of the, the highlights are on the YouTube channel. Just search the Wrestling Connection podcast on YouTube. Subscribe to us on there. And I think it's about that time we send it to Ahmed Johnson. Thanks very much, everybody, for listening. Take care of yourselves, and we'll see you all next week. This is your punk. That little ass body of yours. That problem deals with the ass whipping I'm going to give you in the ring. If you want to step up to play team, bring it on. Because I forgot to take my medication in the morning. 